Welcome to the South Fellowship Podcast. Here at South Fellowship, we exist to help people live in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus. And wherever you're listening from today, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Well, good morning, South. I'm Yvonne, one of the pastors here, and I get to join you yet again for another part in our series called What to Say When You Pray. Isn't that exciting? (laughs) But I have to follow all of that cuteness. So I feel like I have, I'm at a detriment. (laughs) But uh, we get to continue in this prayer, and today we actually get to learn what to say when we pray. Hooray! All right, so by way of review, uh, remember that Jesus and his disciples, you know, they were praying in a certain place. And the disciples go up to Jesus and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. We want to know what to say when we pray. Maybe they didn't say that, but that's what we want to say. And Alex talked about the first week that we're not praying at God for human attention. Our prayers are not just for our own uplifting and for our own status building. We're also not praying at God to force his hand in divine intervention. When we pray, we're not praying that God would just divinely intervene and and our prayers are now forcing it to happen. We also talked about we could pray alone or we could pray together, but ultimately, We're praying with God. We can find ourselves in him. And last week we talked about him being our father and that he wants to be Abba and daddy and close and near to us. And and we're praying to our father in heaven. So we'll continue as through the series and, and go on to the next bit. Our father in heaven, Jesus said, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There have been tombs, tomes of, of material on this part of the scriptures. I mean, you could start and open in Genesis 1 and go to Revelation and still not understand what this means. And I get the task of following the cuteness and trying to communicate this within 25 minutes to all of you. (laughs) No pressure, right? (laughs) So um, to to do this job, I decided that I needed a a few props. Okay, hopefully this helps me compare to all the cuteness. We have a story of a king, we have a story of a globe, and we have a story that involves a snake. <laughs> so hopefully, if ever uh, during this message, uh, since we're, trying, we're gonna have to cover a lot of ground and you're gonna have to buckle up, uh, if ever it gets too much for you, just remember the, the crown, the globe, and the snake, okay? And then think, yeah. She has a little bit of cuteness. Okay, let's pray. (laughs) Father God, King Jesus, Holy Spirit, we need your help today. It's your name, your kingdom, your will that we're talking about on earth as as it is in heaven. Gosh, our my understanding of 
of earth and heaven is so limited. And yet, God, there's something that you want to teach us today. So, Lord, I ask that you would guide this, that you would highlight something in this for people on their journey with you. And, Lord, that you would help us understand more of your kingdom and more of what it means to pray on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On earth as it is in heaven. Have you ever thought about what that means when you're praying it? We've prayed it together multiple times now here at South. We sing this phrase. Do you imagine what this means? On earth as it is in heaven. Maybe your response is, yes, I love thinking about earth as it is in heaven. Yvonne, because I say, yes, I want heaven on earth. And maybe some of your imaginations, you find heaven on earth to be a place with vibrant color and things coming out of the woodwork and feeling alive and invigorated. Maybe you think about heaven on earth as something heavenly and glorious and full of light shining forth and full of magnificent color like rainbows. I was happy when I did a search in Google to find out that one of the places of heaven on earth is this little town called Hallstatt. It was the one and only half marathon that I will ever run in this town. <laughs> and it's a beautiful little place and it holds a little special place in my heart. So maybe you think of heaven on earth as some of those places where it feels like heaven is thin. The layer between heaven and earth is thin or, or it has some type of special place in your heart. Maybe you just wanna go to a place of relaxation and bliss, maybe alone, maybe together, <laughs> but you think this is heaven on earth. Maybe heaven on earth is like we saw earlier, the miraculous miracle of childbirth, where it seems like God's given us a gift in his miracle workings of children. Maybe heaven on earth is, is more relational for you, and, and you think of all the happiness and, and beauty in relationships with your family or friends, and, and when all is right in the world. Maybe sometimes when you think about heaven on earth, it's a little bit more ethereal, right? It's like this majestic majesty of light coming through the clouds and, and there's an opening in heaven and, and it's coming to earth. I think if we're honest, we think about heaven on earth as being a place of love and harmony, kindness, peace, joy. But as I think about it, don't we also have an enemy who wants to bring heaven to earth? He existed in the heavenly realms and he wants to bring his kind of heaven to earth. So what do we really mean when we say heaven on earth? When we talk about the enemy and the way that he wants to subtly bring his heaven on earth. He twists the things of God 
He twists love. And he robs us of our ethical compass. He twists harmony and kindness. And he steals from us the ability to have conversations, critical conversations. And he robs and steals our peace and joy when he presents justice. Because it, it's his way wants to rob us of true, good, beautiful, and right relationships. So it's so important that we know what we mean when we pray on earth as it is in heaven. In this passage, we have some context on earth as it is in heaven. We see that we're praying for the Father in heaven, for his name to be hallowed, his kingdom to come, and his will to be done. Now, this wouldn't have been a surprise prayer. Um, This wouldn't be very unusual to those disciples because they had heard this language before. We talked about, even Alex shared with us a prayer that's recorded that would have been spoken regularly in that Jewish culture of their day. They would have heard prayers that included, exalted and hallowed be his name. In the earth, which he created along according to his will, may he let his kingdom rule in your lifetime and in your days and in the lifetime of your whole household, right? So this idea of God's name, his will, and his kingdom was not new language for the disciples. They would have understood that. But he says, your kingdom come. It, well, first of all, let's remember that he's using this, this pronoun of your. It's the king, it's the, the God that he's referring to, not his own. He's saying your kingdom come. And this is pulling from another similar passage in the, in the gospel of Luke. Luke shares the same prayer but he eliminates part of the prayer and focuses and hones in on just one part of the prayer. Of all the things that he says, he says, your kingdom come. He doesn't say your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We don't have that in Luke's account. And so I think it's really important for us as we learn about how how to pray and what to imagine when we're asking God to make heaven come to earth, we have to see it through the lens of kingdom, your kingdom come. So when we think about kingdom, there's a few things that we need to remember is true about any kingdom. And so there are gonna be three things that we look look at throughout our time together this morning that are gonna guide our understanding of the kingdom and God's kingdom, okay? You ready for this? Okay, buckle up. Number one. There is a king who rules, surprise, (laughs) right? Everyone knows that when you have a kingdom, you're talking about a king. And obviously for those who are sitting around that circle with Jesus, the disciples, kingdom is in their language. It's in, they've got this concept, it's nothing new. They were the one nation out of the entire world that went from being a nomadic people, wandering in a wilderness, to then developing a judicial system 
to be run by judges, to then conquer other nations and then take military governance, and then develop a position of anointed king. And this guy here, King David, was a very important figure in their understanding of kingdom. Now, this is Michelangelo's David, and I thought, you know, to be appropriate, I would just show you the, the, the top part. But <laughs> David was a key figure in their understanding of kingdom. Because d- during the time of David, he was the anointed king, and he took over that position. But the kingdom didn't actually become fully understood as a kingdom in the whole known world at that time until he gave over the inheritance of his kingdom to his son. Once he gave over inheritance, then we have this monarchy. We have a king who then passes his kingdom on to his heir. And we know that this kingdom that Jesus is talking about is a kingdom that goes beyond Israel's understanding of their King David. Because King David, during that time, it was said that there would be someone that would come from his line, an heir, that would rule on the throne forever. It would be someone that would come that could save them, that would unify them, that would create and establish a kingdom of goodness and justice and love. And so Israel and these disciples are waiting on a king, but they know that the kingdom is beyond. Jesus is saying, it's, it's not just me and my kingdom, it's your kingdom. Jesus uses these words. He, in his prayer, he says, your. He says, someone else's kingdom, come. So we're looking to a kingdom that goes beyond just Jesus in the human flesh. We're looking to a kingdom that is a kingdom based on its name. He says, your name be hallowed. So who is it that is this other, the your name be hallowed? Well, there's a ton of ways we could talk about the name of the king, but I'm just gonna highlight a few of them here. The name of this king is Yahweh. He calls himself Yahweh. I am who I am. I've existed at all times. There is not a time in the lifetime of anything in the, in the heavens or in the earth that I did not exist. This is a king who is the creator. We open up our scriptures and we see in Genesis 1 that he says, God created the heavens and the earth. He's the creator and he speaks things into existence. This God, his name is ancient of days, meaning he was from the beginning. He's ancient. And he is the king of kings. So even he's over other Elohim. He's over anyone else that has any type of rule and authority. He is above it all, which means that this king has intrinsic authority. 
There is no higher we can go than this king. He has intrinsic authority because it is in his name to have authority. And he is not like any other human king because he is three in one. He's like a cord of strands that cannot easily be broken. And he exists and we see him in other frequencies and other wavelengths, like the wavelength of sound, where we get three notes, unique and distinct notes, and yet played together in one sound. He exists in light wavelengths, green and blue and red, unifying together in brilliant white light. He's the God that's over the musical wavelengths. <laughs> He's over the light wavelengths. And don't we know that light wavelengths is what our whole universe is created by? He is the triune king. And so this kingdom, it's led in triune monarchy. It's like no one else. Nowhere else do we know anything like this kingdom except from the scriptures that there is a triune monarchy out there. And this king is righteous, an everlasting king. Everything that this word says about him is that he is righteous. Everything lines up perfectly under him. And he's everlasting. There is no escaping the longevity of his kingship. And he will be king forever. This is the king. This is the your name be hallowed. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. The ultimate king. So for the, the disciples who are sitting there, hearing these words, they may have thought about themselves in present darkness. They're still waiting for a Messiah, waiting for a king. And they're thinking the kingship should be future. But he's saying the kingship has always been, ladies and gentlemen. The kingship has not gone anywhere. It started as a kingship. It is now, when Jesus says this, a kingship, and it will always be a kingship. You know, the Pharisees came to Jesus, and they said, when, when, we want to know when that kingdom is coming. When is the kingdom of God to come? And Jesus replied, the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. He doesn't say the kingdom is just past or the kingdom is just to come. He's saying the kingdom is right now. It's Jesus who brings kingdom near. He's ushering in nearness of God's kingdom coming to earth. He's giving access to the kingdom. He's saying you can call him father. Right? We can have relationship with the king. And yet, he doesn't take the kingship right away. 
He's ushering in the nearness of the kingdom when he says, for I've come down from heaven not to do my will. Listen, Jesus is saying not to do my will. He says, but to do the will of him who sent me, to do the will of the eternal king, the king of kings. Our king, and we're gonna get to that, Jesus is the king. Our king comes and says that he's not coming to do his will. He's coming to do God's will. Your kingdom, Jesus says, your will. That's an incredible character of our king. He says later, he doesn't want to go through with, with the, the direction that his father says, and he's wrestling with it. Even Jesus himself wrestled with how do I step into the kingdom? And he said, Father, if you, if you are willing, just please take this cup, take this request, take this invitation from me. But ultimately, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus, as he brings the kingdom near, is still honoring the king and stepping into it. And so he is the one who can rightly take the kingship because he is good, he's obedient. And one day he will. Jesus will take the king. He will become the God-man king who will take the throne and rule on the new earth. After he goes through a period of humility and, and refining, it says that God will exalt him to the highest place. He will give him the name that is above every name and at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. That's kingdom language, right? Every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess. They will acknowledge that Jesus is the king. And when he takes his throne, one day, guys, there's gonna be loud voices in heaven that say the kingdom of the world will become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah. And of Jesus's reign, he will reign forever. And ever, it says, forever. Jesus, this king is the everlasting king, past, present, future. And when Jesus says this to the disciples, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's an invitation. You gotta know your king. You gotta know who's in charge. It's not the kingdoms of, that you might see around you. You've got to know the everlasting king. But the truth is, Jesus says that not everyone who says to him, king, king, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So it's not enough, guys, to know the king. We can know the king, we can respect the king, we can know that he exists in all of his amazing glory. This invitation of your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it's an invitation to join the king. We must join his kingdom or else we, we, we miss out on the glorious eternality of his kingdom. So, 
The second thing about all kingdoms is that a king, he reigns, surprise, and he reigns in a realm, right? When he reigns, the meaning there is, is to say that there, is, there are subjects in his kingdom. There are, some, there are people or nation or tribes to, that come underneath him, right? So let's say we were talking about a, a worldly, like a king that we would know, right? They would have servants and peasants and, and a whole world that they would reign over. And then there's a realm. It's a location for the place, the boundaries and location for where they reign. Maybe we could think about this in the animal kingdom, okay? If we think about the animal kingdom, that's a location, right? It's, it's within a certain segment of the world. But for God, his realm is heaven and earth. The kingdom has been established in the heavens and on earth. And he reigns over the subjects that have filled those realms. This king, he reigns over two realms, guys. He reigns over heaven that has been filled with angels and creatures and, and even ranking angels. He's also designed earth to be a realm with male and female and offspring and creatures. And he's filled these realms with his subjects. And the amazing thing about this God, when he shapes this earth and he fills it with his subjects, he doesn't reign over it in such a way that, that makes them just subservient. This king, he is known to be a king who commissions his God-like imagers to expand his kingdom throughout the earth. The very first commission God gives to these people that he puts on earth and he fills it. He says, be fruitful. I think South Fellowship is being fruitful. Good job, guys. Uh, increasing in number and filling the earth, right? <laughs> but look at this. He says, rule, rule over. This is a king who delegates his authority. Amen. He delegates his authority to us. And he asks us to, he commissions us to go fill the earth, make it like Eden, make it beautiful and in relationship with God and, and make it full of God's kingdom. The commission doesn't change, friends, when we get to Matthew and when he says, go into the world, making disciples of all nations, be fruitful, multiply, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, triune monarchy, guys. We get to bring the triune monarchy to the world. My roommate and I joked last night, she was like, how many times can you say rule the world, you know? <laughs> But we do that, we become imitators of God. We become his children, his beloved children, walking in love and we offer ourselves as a fragrant aroma. This all has commissioning language in it. 
He gives us the ability to be like God. That was from the beginning. He says, I'm going to create God-like beings to be like God and rule for God's kingdom. Again, (laughs) Paul takes this a step further and he calls us, he says that we have this task of reconciling people to him. And we do that by becoming God's ambassadors. That's commissioning. We're ambassadors for God. And that's how we join the king. We join the king when we accept our commission. That he's made us in his image. He has adopted us as children. So we can inherit his kingdom. That's beautiful. And we get the choice of accepting our commission. We get to say, yes, God, that's who you made me to be. Yes, God, I want to be a part of you and your kingdom. And I want to have purpose. And I want everything that you've designed within me to expand when it looks like you and your kingdom. When I become an ambassador who actually really represents the king. But of course... There's a third prop, and uh, there is a problem, right? The, our commission gets interrupted because we have a corrupt being who shows up on earth, shows up on earth, hopefully he's not that big, um, to sabotage God's commission. And he undermines the value of the king, robbing us and of our dominion. He wants to take over this world, but he doesn't deserve to. It says that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel the light of the good news of the king as it displays glory in Christ who is the image of God. So our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against enemies, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. It's against mighty powers in that world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. This enemy wants to bring his kingdom on earth. And that is not what the king wants. He is undeterred. He and he is determined to conquer that snake, right? He's determined and and he can remain true to his values And in the meantime, he can orchestrate a plan that stays true to him and to his name. He he orchestrates a plan of rescue, redemption, and ultimate victory for his God-like imagers, like you and like me. So that we can rule again with his glorious inheritance. It says that when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son to redeem those under the law so that they could be adopted 
so that they could get the inheritance, so that they could call God Abba, Father. And he did this because he loves us so freaking much. He loved the world that he gave us his son. He didn't come to condemn us. He loved us and he wanted us to to be true to our, our calling, our purpose, yet again. And so he does it. He rescues us out of the dominion of darkness. See you later, little snake. (sighs) He brings us into the kingdom of his son. Listen to that kingdom language. The son that he loves. He brings us into the kingdom through redemption and through the forgiveness of sins. Friends, it's up to us. We get to join the king. And all it takes, Jesus said, when it comes to his kingdom, he just says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Just turn. Just accept your commission. Re-accept your commission. Just turn. Be a part of the kingdom. It's right here. It's in your midst. You have a choice to do that. We join the king by accepting and re-accepting every day our commission. And then we have a king. And so we also walk in submission to this king. It's a part of the kingdom language is submission. And although the enemy wants to destroy that word for all the good that it is, the invitation when we follow a king is to walk in submission. Because the third thing we know about the king is that he rules with law and ethics. Every king rules with his law and his ethics. And the law and the ethic of this king, the everlasting king, is the law of love. If we open up our scriptures to a passage on love, we'll see that this is, this is the ethic of this king. He says, love is patient, kind, does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. This is the ethic of the king the everlasting king. And anytime we get an ethic of of a king or a leader, it's because that is in his DNA. When, When we've transitioned to have a new leader here at South Fellowship Church and a new lead pastor, there's some adjustment because you have to kind of figure out a new value system, a new way. And this king... This is a part of who he is. And his ethic is love. He says love bears all things. He bears with us. He believes all things. He hopes all things, endures all things. And of his love, it never ends. We get to join the kingdom of love. And so if we wanna adjust and learn the value system of the king, There's plenty in this scripture that will teach us the value of the king. 
more than anything, I think these scriptures, you know, some people present it as a manual. Some people present it as a love letter. And I think more for myself, it's a character study. It's a character study of the king who reigns in heaven and on earth. And so I learn about the king when I read these words, when I open up to the red letters and I read from Jesus's spoken words about the kingdom. He uses that word all the time. And we don't have time to go into all the things that are a part of his ethic and his kingdom. But we know a few things. We know that this king, he values covenant. He values that kind of agreement of love and of sacrifice. We know that his kingdom, it, it, it expands. He talks about it like, like a little mustard seed and it starts so small and then, and then it grows into this giant tree. He talks about it being like yeast and like getting all over and in the, the bread. You can't stop it when it starts. He talks about humility. The, the, the value of the king, Jesus, he valued humility. He was submissive under his father in heaven and he valued that and that was exalted, it was honored. Jesus says that poverty, people that have nothing are blessed. He says that sacrificial love triumphs. When you turn the other cheek, when you love your enemy, you actually have more leadership and more power and more authority. He flips the script and he says, when you choose forgiveness, it will always reward you. The way of the kingdom and of this king whose ethic is love will always result in flourishing. Now friends, that doesn't mean that it's not painful at times. There are times when we are invited to be submissive to the king and, and we go through a refiner's fire. It feels painful. And, and then we think, God, I don't know if I can trust you as king in my life. But he will strip away the things that need to die so that you don't have to die to the things that need to be. And when you start to learn the ethic and the law of the king, you will start to see it all around you. You will go to the movie theater and you will say, whoa, this story has God's kingdom written all over it. Because you see a story. This was one that I just had happen to me this week. I went to see American Underdog and I was like, wow, this has kingdom written all over it. This kid, he got a commission and he knew who he was as a young guy to be a football player for Jesus. And he, and he went through trial and he didn't make it. He was pretty small and humiliated because he didn't get on the league. He didn't have an opportunity open for him. But there was work to be done in his identity. And once he knew who he was for Jesus, he could stand out there on the football field and he could do it knowing who God made him to be. And then when we do that, when we step into our commission and we walk in submission, God gets the glory. 
and he becomes way more than this little guy in Iowa. And so to me, I was like, oh, thank you, Lord, that you're teaching me your kingdom so much that I can just see it. I can feel it. I can taste it around me. And when you start to learn the way of the kingdom and walk in the way of the kingdom, you'll see it around you. There will be opposition and there will be places and times in your heart when you say, I don't want heaven. <laughs> I want heaven to stay in its box and I want me and my earthy experience to stay in my box. And I wanna be in control of it and I want God to just answer my call for what I want in my kingdom. But what we're doing when we pray as it is on earth, as it is in heaven, is we're saying, kingdom, come. Come to me. Unify God's reign in me. Unify heaven and earth when I accept my commission and I walk in submission to you. We bring heaven and earth closer because we unify it all under God's reign, what he deserves all along. And so this word of the week, we've been giving you words each week to go off and pray. The word is yes, 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 I take your kingdom. Yes, I join your kingdom. I accept my commission and I walk in submission because you're the king of all kings. You are not deterred by a slithery little guy who wants to bring his heaven on earth. So I will follow you. I will be the person that you've made me to be and I will align myself with the way that you've designed the universe to be designed and I will walk in submission under you and as my king. Are you willing to say yes this week in prayer? Yes to his kingdom, to his name, to his will so that God, the king, gets the glory. Let's pray. Father God, King Jesus, Holy Spirit, you are the king of all kings. You are the one who one day we will all run into your kingdom and there's no escaping it. So Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to say yes to your kingdom. Lord, there are times where we're gonna be distracted where we're not gonna wanna choose your kingdom. When you give us our little nudges to say, speak up, go deliver a meal. You don't need to eat that. What does love look like in this situation? When you speak to us from you and your voice and your kingdom, Lord, we're gonna struggle. It's not always gonna come easy. But Lord, give us courage to say yes to you and your kingdom. Even when it's painful, even when we don't understand it, give us courage to say yes. Lord, we don't wanna pray for you to make our experience on earth to be like paradise. 
so that we can experience all the goodness that we think this life offers. But we want to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We wanna pray, may heaven and earth unite under God's kingship. As we accept our commission and walk in submission to your way. Amen. If God is working your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us. You can give online at southfellowship.org give or on the South Fellowship Church app. Thanks again for listening and have a great rest of your day.